Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we got to religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It never ceases to amaze me. This is Wretched Radio. You've experienced it. I've experienced it. Only those who are born again get the privilege of experiencing fellowship, a close union with another human being that you just met. Have you ever bumped into a believer when you were on that trip to Peru? And somehow you were able to just sit and chat like you knew each other because, well, we do, because in Christ we know one another. And when we spend time with this means of grace, that is what it's historically been called. I I think the means of growth is a better word to keep you out of any sort of work righteousness (laughs) confusion. But in Acts chapter 2, the early church is meeting. They're growing. They're robust. They're healthy. Well, with the exception of that Ananias and Sapphira couple. Other than that, they were growing in number and in wisdom and knowledge. How did they do it? Reading the Bible, listening to preaching. They were praying and they were taking communion and they were fellowshipping. Why in the world would hanging out with other believers grow you? Well, I can tell you because this weekend I grew, spent two days, two days in a row with handsome (laughs) <laughs> i can't do it jimmy hicks dude you had a logo i, I do i do uh, i used to yeah and you look like a hitman with the black glasses on <laughs> jimmy this weekend when we were at foothills community church in the middle of well i think the correct pronunciation is nowhere no <laughs> is where it's located lovely country it happens to be in the foothills how providential is that it's in the foothills and it's called foothill community (laughs) church and we were there for two days and you showed me the logo when you were a country jock i did yeah that's right not athlete on the radio right (laughs) and you had the hitman glasses on i did yeah and you were twice the man you are Uh, today well thank you for that you've lost a ton of weight good on you for that yeah and his title was handsome Jimmy Hicks. Uh, can't you see it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I got it. I understand totally why they said that. <laughs> I still like Jimmy Jam, but if you insist, two days with <laughs> some Jimmy Hicks. And you even brought your wife with you. I, did. I didn't. I'm no fool. Here's a little tip for you. If you're ever going to lead a seminar on marriage, don't do it with your spouse in the room because you're going to find yourself handcuffed like nobody's business. It was a lovely evening. And if that weren't enough, I had the privilege of preaching. Charlie Parrish gave up his pulpit. What a great name. He should be Roman Catholic, though. If you're going to have a parish, (laughs) you should be Roman Catholic. He gave up his pulpit. And so I spent two days just enjoying other believers. And it is amazing how buoyant that is, how it just puffs you. It just, yeah, it was just good to be in the house of God. You can relate with the psalmist when you find some people that are so like-minded and you just hang together. So thank you, Charlie, and everybody at Foothills Community Church. And thank you, handsome Jimmy Hicks. You're quite welcome. For being a part of it, too. Well, we did talk on both days just a wee bit about typology and the importance of it in the Christian faith that we understand in the Old Testament, it is about Jesus Christ. It's not just heroic tales of adventure. There's plenty of that. But the the entire Old Testament, each book, remember Luke 24, Jesus taught them from every book 
in the Old Testament, Jesus told the Jewish people, you read the writings of Moses, John chapter 5, because in them you think you have life. But I tell you, they testify. The books of Moses testify about me. And Jesus is all over the Old Testament. If you would like to see some of that, we just posted a social media video. Where is Jesus in the Old Testament? Or you can get Jesus unmasked. It's the study of typology without it and without the prophecies of the Old Testament. Jesus would have been considered a crackpot, but he wasn't. When he divided people, it was because people said he's of the devil. Those were the Pharisees. Other claiming he's the Messiah. They, the lines were quite stark. And if we don't use the Old Testament, our current culture is not going to be able to see that Jesus Christ has a testimony behind him. He has a history behind him. He has a system behind him. He has a religious body. He has a nation behind him. All of that is what is baked into the Old Testament, which is why we don't unhitch it. Finished that sermon, talked about that a little bit Sunday morning. And then as I was sitting and reading, as I want to do, this article appeared. This is going to encourage you. At first, I read the title and I went, oh, no, what is this going to be? Some sort of promotion that Jesus got drunk? Oh, are we going to get into a study about the level of alcohol? Okay, well, that would be kind of interesting to learn. The title is, What Would Jesus Drink? What would Jesus drink? Because he did. He would get thirsty. Jesus Christ did talk about cups a lot. Jesus Christ, the night he was betrayed, took the cup when he had supped. What was the cup? What is the cup theme of the Bible? This is another demonstration that the Bible is elegant. When you study typology and you go, oh, this is that. Oh, cool. Look at, oh, this is, oh, cool. Or you do a study of themes throughout the book, like trees. Trees are a theme throughout the book. You see trees in the garden. You see Jesus on a tree. In Revelation, you see Trees again, as God has brought about heaven on earth. It's a theme which should encourage us. Hey, this book, it's supernatural. And this was another instance of that. I was so pleasantly surprised when he entered the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went away by himself and prayed, quote, if it is possible, let this cup Pass from me. That would be your Matthew 26, 39, Rexella. As he left the garden to head to the cross, by the way, don't forget his passion began in the garden. As he was sweating drops of blood, his passion had begun then. This is the invisible suffering of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just the beating, the flogging, the hanging on a cross. It was God pouring out his wrath in the garden. Jesus prayed, if it's possible, let this cup pass, not my will, yours be done. He leaves the garden. He says to his disciples, shall I not drink the cup that my father has given me? John 18, 11. Now you say, okay, it's figurative language. Well, it is, but it is also grounded in the Old Testament. Psalm 75, verses 7 and 8. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one, lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup with foaming wine, well mixed, and he pours out from it and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. In other words, the psalmist is talking about a cup of wrath. Hold on. There's more. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus drank the cup of wrath. Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk it to the dregs, the bowl, the cup of staggering. That's what Jesus was alluding to. I'm doing that. That cup of wrath that you're familiar with from the Psalms and from Isaiah, that's what I'm doing. Jeremiah would have also been in view. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, 
take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me to drink it. And Jesus drank that cup. Why can you believe that? Come on, really? Three different people living at different times, talking about the same cup. That's, of course, what Jesus was alluding to, and you can believe it because it was described in the Old Testament. Now, they ate the Last Supper. He took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant in my bloodshed for many. This is from Eric Alexander. Quote, there was a cup in the upper room in Jerusalem that Paul delighted to call the cup of blessing which we bless. 1 Corinthians 10. This is the cup the psalmist alluded to when he wrote, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation. And Jesus offered that cup when he said, Take and drink from it. That's what we do when we celebrate communion, which is why it is a means of growth. It will encourage you when you consider the long-expected prophet who was promised to drink that cup of wrath on behalf of not just Israel, but the nations. Whoa, this stuff is undeniably true. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries you might support overseas? To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor. Or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel Partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible 
Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians to encourage new believers in their faith, reminding them of Christ's imminent return and exhorting them to godly conduct. When you consider Christ's return, beware of two errors, to live as though His return were not imminent or to be so concerned with His return that we neglect His work on earth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, handsome. Wow, this is awkward. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, handsome. Do I sound a little huskier than I normally do? Huskier. Huskier. Kind of more barrel-chesteder than normal. Sure. It's the allergies. (laughs) Wow. When we moved from Minnesota, and by the way, if you ever go to Minnesota, you better pronounce it that way or they won't let you in. I had some allergies on occasion. Wasn't a big sufferer. It's not like they don't exist up north. You move below the Mason-Dixon line. Woo! Get ready to have post-nasal drip. Normally, I have mine. I start in January with the drugs. Legal, which really isn't saying anything anymore because pot is legal and that's just packed with THC. The point is I start taking the drugs in January because that's usually when it starts. Not this year. Thanks for the gift, South. Post-nasal drip in the fall. At least it's purdy here and a good thing. I hold right now in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers. (laughs) What are you laughing at? (laughs) I can't say. Sometimes you just have to edit. And I'm going to practice some self-control at this moment. In my hands, not to ruin the party or anything, but I was sent an advanced copy of the State of Theology from the good folks at Ligonier Ministries. Every other year, I think they say that would be biannually, but I don't want to trigger anybody by using the word biannually. Every other year, they survey Americans in general and evangelicals in specific to determine, well, the state of theology. No doubt. You're expecting bad news. Well, we're going to deliver <laughs> because I got Vilta Fish Larry. Hey, I've got some glasses here. That's something that makes up for the post nasal drip. God learns and adapts to different circumstances. How many Americans said, yeah, that's true. God's a piece of Play-Doh that morphs and molds and responds. 51% of U.S. adults. You say, well, that's all adults. What about evangelicals? That would be 48%. Negligible difference. Where did the country come up with this idea? I think there could be several sources of it. Ligonier identifies a couple of them. They think maybe the teaching of open theism, God doesn't know the future, so he is a responder. No, he's not. He's a sovereign who reigns. And just as an aside, speaking of sovereigns, Don't know if you watched much of the funeral of the queen. This isn't a commentary on the pageantry that was on display. Glorious pageantry. I understand the royal system. Get the monarchy idea. This this isn't to be critical of that. Instead, this is to remind us how low Jesus went. When you saw the funeral of the queen, it's the guard and they're pulling her casket and it's draped with flowers and a crown and soldiers lining the streets and people with deference standing in the, in the wings to watch this spectacle, which was amazingly grand. And yet our royal savior was buried rather ignominiously. In another person's grave, no pomp, no ceremony, no pageantry. I am not dissing what y'all do in Great Britain. I'm merely pointing out the difference and how low Jesus went. It should remind us of that. When you see a sovereign die and you see the deference that is given, compare it to Jesus. I can't help but think about the church of Jan Hus. Jan Hus was a bohemian reformer. He's the one who had his Hus goose cooked. He was burned at the stake. If you recall, if you ever watched On the Shoulders of Giants, I met Kali Voda, who was the head of the Hus Society. Because of what was recorded that Hus said when they were setting him on fire, took about eight minutes before he died. That's a nice way to go. Jan Hus, in the back of his church, 
as a Roman Catholic priest, was critical of the Roman system. So to make his point, on one side, he had the Pope and all of its pageantry on a white stallion, Jesus on the right side on a donkey entering Jerusalem. Let the Queen's funeral, enjoy it all you want, mourn all you need to, but let's not lose sight of the contrast with the King of Kings. So it could be open theism. That's leading people to think, well, God morphs and he molds and he changes. That's a possibility. I, I think there's another one that's mentioned. It may indicate a lack of clear biblical teaching on the character of God in evangelical churches. Bingo. That to me is the biggie that people just don't understand because they're not being taught. So many people and it's... The triteness of it should really mm, righteously anger us that you've got people going to a church. People for different reasons are motivated to get out of bed on Sunday morning and come to this facility where supposedly a Christian service is going to take place. And what do they get? Morning. How's everybody? How'd you, how's about that band? Huh? Did, did they just nail hungry like the wolf or what? Next week, Cindy Lauper, right? Because we're going to be hip and relevant. I'm going to do a knockoff on that, too, because we want to show the world how worldly we are. And people don't get fed, and this is a consequence. They think that God is, at best, 911. He responds to emergency calls, but he's not aware of them, and he's certainly not sovereign over them. And this is nothing but a loss. We should read this statistic and go, whoa, 48% of evangelicals think that God changes, most of whom have almost certainly never heard the word immutability. Why? Because, well, everybody's stupid, so we don't use big words from the plexiglass podium. And it's a glorious doctrine. No shifting shadows with God. No change. And if you're one of those people who struggles with being assured that you are saved, the doctrine of immutability should cause you to have so much comfort, encouragement, and a knowledge that you are in his hand and nobody can take you from it because he determined when Jesus Christ drank the cup of wrath to the dregs on your behalf, when you repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, there was a declaration in heaven, sealed, done. And God will never operate outside of the declaration he made when he claimed you are mine. Nobody, nothing, there is no system, there is no army that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I wonder if that's why so many people struggle with assurance. They're told that God just responds to calamities. And let's be honest, if that's the case, it appears uh, he got the call kind of late. Maybe he was busy with another brush fire and he just couldn't get to my little, little kindling problem here. I was looking for the word. What's the word for inf inflag not inflammation? It's infl in what a conflagration. Oh, you know what uh, I did the other day? What's that? Read the dictionary? No, no I should have. That would, <laughs> this is some big words you're throwing out there. I'd be fumbling all over myself right now. <laughs> Conflagra my little fight, my little kin. There's a word for it. It's a synonym for fire. That's what I'm talking. God doesn't get to that. He does deal with the big stuff, but not my little stuff. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. The doctrine of immutability tells me so. We continue with the survey. Says... Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. 71% of U.S. adults agree. I just saw a video with Bill Maher. He was complaining about presentism. Well done, Bill. That hurt. He was talking about the problem of measuring the past by our standards in the present and that it is being used to manipulate. He's spot on like a blind nut that finds a squirrel in the knife drawer twice a day. He was right about that. But he, in this little monologue, said, I've said it before. Humans are really bad people. I agree. That's our problem. Most Americans think we're born pretty good. Our system of representative republic 
mechanism. It's built on the premise that we're bad, we're bad, we're really, really bad, and we need controls. We need mechanisms in place. We need three branches, not one. We need three branches to keep everybody from drawing outside of the lines. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. Evangelicals survey says 65%. 65%. Are there some in that number who are just not educated? They haven't considered it. They haven't thought through the implications. Yes. Yes, there are. What's the percentage? I don't know, but I think it's also safe to say that there are those in this lot who who have not entered the kingdom of God. This is the gate to the king. This is how you enter in, humbly recognizing I'm not good. I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm really, really bad. I'm totally depraved. It's not just the bad I do. It's the bad that I am. And yet 65% of evangelicals don't believe that. Yikes. What else don't they believe? Sorry to be a party pooper. This is Wretched Radio. of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the heir of all things. All things were created for Jesus. When Christ returns, all creation will be given to him. And as our mediator, he makes us co-heirs and will share all things with us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio, uh, the state of theology, courtesy of Ligonier Ministries, surveying the people of the United States of America to determine how theologically sound are they. Bottom line, they're not. What's more troublesome is not just that the nuns, the people, and I'm not talking about like Sally Field, I'm talking about people who say, don't believe in nothing. I would expect bad theology from them. From evangelicals, we shouldn't. We shouldn't expect it, nor, I don't want to use a bombastic word to start a conflagration. (laughs) That's the word, I think. I looked it up. You're right. (laughs) I love when that happens. I don't want to be bombastic with the language, but we shouldn't tolerate it. And, and what does that look like? I think it means that we speak up. And when we meet someone who's in a silly center, we don't want to scold and chastise, but we want to encourage them. You, you're, you're not getting fed that this is not good for you. It may be amusing, but it is not going to help your soul. Ask you this question to determine if you are in a sound church or not. If you got sick, would you call the pastor? If you got sick, could you call the pastor? If you got sick, would he come and visit you? Would the elders surround you? Would there be a meal train to take care of you? That's what the local church is. And when you go there, you learn big things about God that trickle into the cracks and crevices of your life to give you a firm foundation. This state of theology Ligonier survey, this should cause us to want to be a little bit more bold in our denunciations of dumb churches. Speaking of church, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. (laughs) 68% of U.S. evangelical respondents agree. Let me see, 68, 100, that would be 32% who disagree that you don't need to be a member of a local church. In the past here on Wretched Radio, we've encouraged you to please find the best local church you can. Even if it's not great, find the best one you can. Join it. Start serving there. Here, perhaps, is another reason to get on it and not just join a local church but encourage other people that you know who are Christians to join a church too. Furthermore, this is an issue, the local church that you can actually use as an entrance into a conversation about the gospel. The headline says, Generation Swipe. This is from commonsense.news. It's an article that tries to explain why so many young people aren't getting married, 
why they're so lonely, why they aren't interested in family. And she has some really interesting observations. First of all, here's part of the problem that so many young men feel so isolated. So many of them are watching pornography. They're addicted to porn. They don't need to go out on dates. They can stay home with their pixels. And so they are lonely. Another reason she claims they're lonely, and I don't doubt this. We read this, if you recall, on Reddit. I know. We read it on Reddit that people, young men, feel like (laughs) this swipe system, this going through the TikTok or whatever it is to figure out who might be a mate for me. It's, It's really disheartening. Because everybody presents themselves super well. And if you're a little bit of this as opposed to a lot of that, you just can't compete and you get passed over. And so they quit trying. Number three, she cites helicopter parenting. That we have a generation, and this makes sense, that is lacking in resilience. Now, please note, I have made it perfectly plain on a number of occasions. I like the young generation. I think they are indeed unique and they actually have some characteristics that are better than my generations. That's right. There are some things that the pejoratively labeled snowflakes do better. Now, having said that, There can be an element of that that has affected you if you had parents who wanted to get everything out of your way. They hovered over you. They cleared your path. You never fell down and went boom. From the article, when you're raised in a world perpetually protected from skinned knees, you tend to be scared of running fast. So they don't. They don't go out. They don't try They don't explore. And incidentally, that can also be a malady of an older generation. Hey, Jimmy, at your church, I don't know if you were paying attention to this. The offertory? Yes. The song that was sung during the offering? Uh There was a line, I can't do it justice. Your worship leader does a bang-up job picking out sound music at your church. The line was, I'll make it all koine here, but it was basically, don't let the zeal of youth, nor the cautiousness of age determine your steps. Mm. I thought that that was one of the most unique lines that I've read in a song for a long time. When you're young, you don't want your steps to be guided without any wisdom. Anybody who's older than you just don't got to do it. Hear about it. Off to war we go. Be careful of that. On the other hand, you've got to be careful when you are older that you don't become so cautious. Your feet are in cement blocks. We don't want to do anything. We want to be wise individuals who study the Bible on any particular subject, make a wise decision with all of the prayerful considerations that are required, and then you step out in faith boldly. We're going to do this. Yeah, we got a couple of obstacles, but it looks like those are small in comparison to the fruit that can be born from this endeavor. We won't be sinning if we do it. Nobody's going to get hurt if we do it. Let's step out. Be careful that old age doesn't keep you from, well, being a helicopter child where you're just afraid to do anything. Video games also cited as being the one of the things that can distract you and amuse you and give you the sense that you're living in the world, but you're not. You're living in a a fake reality world, but it's close enough. And so young men are increasingly isolated. But I will also tell you this. Young men, young women want more. They want more than social media. They want more than dating apps. They want more than video games. They want more than porn. They want community. Hmm. Is there any place that offers such a thing in Christendom? The local church. We have the systems in place. You want to be a part of something? Come on in. You want to be living your life with an intersection not like, you know, the modern day understanding of intersection with an intersection into other people's lives where they help you, you help them. 
you grow from them, we grow from you. Would you like that? That's the local church. That is the local assembling of saints. This is the institution that offers everything your heart desires. How do you become a member of that kingdom? Let's talk about Jesus and the necessity of repentance and faith that the king offers you terms of peace right now or he's going to war with you. Accept his terms, humble yourself, repent and put your trust in Jesus and you are now a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter-day Saints. And you now can have entrance into a local body with all of the sweet fellowship that exists there. 68% of evangelicals say you have to join a church, but that means a third don't, which means a third are missing the boat. Furthermore, it is a safety mechanism for you. You can't be disciplined if you're not a member of a church. That's... I don't know if you saw this. Carl Lentz is on his way back into business. He and his wife started Instagramming. We're coming back into the public eye. This is that terrible accepted system as of late that says, well, as long as a parent, a pastor, even though he did a bunch of nasties, he just give it a certain amount of time and then he can get back in the pulpit. Uh, maybe with some sins, but certainly not with all sins. And Carl Lentz is on his way back. Was he disciplined? doubt it his soul isn't safe so we can get consternated that carl lentz is back in the business of well frankly making money and being in the spotlight we we we, we can indeed be agitated with that but his soul isn't safe he's in danger he walks in danger all the way thank you 41 percent of u.s adults the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. That statistic was from 2014. Today, it's 53%. The Bible is a book of myths, fairy stories, tales of old, little on the stodgy side. It doesn't matter what they think. Do you know what we need to use on people who don't believe the Bible is the Bible? The answer is the Bible. You need to use the Bible to prove the Bible by using the Bible. Use the scriptures that make men wise unto salvation. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. We live in a society that is woefully lost, untethered, feeling lonely, and we have the solution. And the way to get them cured is by preaching the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. Here are a few words that you've never heard together. Health insurance, good deal, and high customer satisfaction rates. Would you please consider checking out MediShare? Not only are the rates amazing, but the customer satisfaction rate is supremely higher than traditional health insurance. MediShare, it is affordable, biblical, health sharing. The average family saves $500 a month, but hold on, here comes the even better part of the good deal. For the year 2023, you'll save 10%. Not kidding. Even more. Furthermore, they will waive the initiation fee. It will take you two minutes on the telly to determine if MediShare is right for you and your family. Please call 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, or visit MediShare.com slash wretched now. Quick, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say the word partner? I'm only asking because I do genuinely wonder if I've been crystal clear on the significance of our gospel partners. Our gospel partners truly are allies, helping and granting us the privilege in spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. With productions like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and resources like Wretched Worldview, Breaking Bread, Life is Best, The Drive-By Series, and a ton of others, we're reaching millions with the gospel, but it's only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. If you're already a Wretched Gospel partner, I humbly thank you for your kindness and support. And if you're not, can I ask you to visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details on becoming a Wretched Gospel partner and then prayerfully consider partnering with us if you can. We are grateful for all you do and humble that God continues using wretches like us to spread his gospel to millions. Wretched.org slash donate. That's wretched.org slash donate. 
cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home, parents get saved, and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Mexican. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like plenary verbal inspiration. God inspired every word of Scripture, guiding the human authors as they wrote without violating each man's personality and writing style. In the Bible, we have the very Word of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Mm, if only there were a book that could help us. This is Wretched Radio. Survey says, courtesy of Ligonier Ministries, the state of theology in America, it ain't so good. More troubling is the state of theology amongst evangelicals who should know better. Apparently, 38% of them have not read John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, because 38% of U.S. evangelicals agree that religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. In other words, secularism and postmodernism have infected the evangelical church. 38% believe you can believe whatever you want to, and you're going to end up in a good place. That would be swell for the universalist, air quote, church, not evangelicals. But here's another statistic that I found rather interesting that perhaps would be a good reason to consider getting the man who split time. 22 proofs that Jesus is God. Right here it is. It's also available in the Wretched store at wretched.org. Jesus was a great teacher. But he was not God. Guess how many evangelicals agree in 2022? It's by the way, it's just to give you a little hint, Jimmy. Yeah, it's up 13 percent. Up 13. It's up 13. So how many evangelicals would say Jesus had some nifty things to say, some good life hacks, but he wasn't the divine son of God? I would say 45 percent. You just about nailed it. Forty three percent. Wow. You're not a Christian if you believe that. That one is simple. Sometimes we can be a little fudgy around knowledge, like the understanding of total depravity, which I think people can increasingly grow in a knowledge of that doctrine. So you could say, well, maybe somebody doesn't understand our sinful nature, that we are sinful from birth as long as they repent with their trust in Jesus Christ because they realize and appreciate that they are totally sinful today. Okay, but not this, not this. You either believe Jesus is God or you're out. I would encourage you, if you're looking for something to read in the Bible that has a specific fruit or benefit for you, start reading in John chapter 5. Read it all the way through chapter 11 at your own pace, and you will notice repeatedly that Jesus says, if you do not understand the Son, if you do not believe in the Son, you don't believe in the Father either. Over and over and over again. Same thing is echoed in First John. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world, you're not in. Simple as that. And what do we see? 43% of evangelicals, they're not in. They're just not in. Now, could it be you have an Apollos-like situation? Perhaps. But I sure wouldn't rest on that statistic because I suspect it's teeny tiny, if at all, that there's somebody who just does it. Oh, wait a second. I didn't know. Oh, I believe that now. Remember, that can happen with somebody. 
if you meet somebody who's outside of small old orthodoxy and you show them what the Bible says about the issue and what is truth and they repent, they're good to go. They just didn't know, and they needed to be instructed further on a subject. There could be some of those, but 43%? I don't think so. Uh, The man who split time, 22 proofs Jesus is God. Did I mention it's available at wretched.org? Written by one Phil Johansson, Scandinavian fellow. Phil Johansson and Todd Fryelius. What kind of mortal can split time, change the calendar, cause us to go from B.C. to A.D.? And the answer is Jesus Christ. And he is the one who could split time because he's not just a fella. How do you know? Number one, Jesus does miracles, feeding thousands of people, raising people from the dead. It's one thing to do magic tricks. It's another thing to raise people from the dead. Jesus heals diseases organically, instantaneously, and fully. Not, You know, my lower back feels a little better. Thanks a lot, Todd White. I'm doing pretty good right now. No, that's not a healing. When, when people say, you know, <laughs> so weird. I, I didn't have dinner tonight, and I, I was really hungry, but now I, I'm not so hungry. It's a miracle. No, it's not. It's not a miracle. Who was I watching? I think it was Vody Bakum. Vody Bakum was talking about the birth of a child not being a miracle. And you say, well, wait a second. We talk about the miracle of birth. Go to the Minnesota State Fair and they've got the miracle of birth center. A recognition. This is a special thing. It is a special thing, but it's also a natural thing. A miracle, rightly understood and defined, means that you something happens outside of the norm. It breaks the laws of nature. It is something that you would not anticipate happening. That's a miracle. So why would Vody want to rain on parents' parades when they have a newborn child by saying it's not a miracle? Because it diminishes the miracle birth of Jesus Christ. That was a miracle birth. Fully God, fully man. God, not unlike Mormonism teaches, a a one who sired a child through Mary. Instead, it was indeed immaculate in that Jesus Christ was born without the taint of sin because he's fully God, fully man. That was a good old-fashioned Christian miracle. Jesus has authority over nature, calms the storm. Jesus is omniscient. He knows what people are thinking. Jesus is omnipotent. What? Jesus proved it. He raised people from the dead. Do you know what it takes to do that? Me neither, because you and I can't even fathom it. He did it. And I love whoever said this. I might have been Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll, I think. If not... It's a good quote, so it's okay to give him credit. It's it's better than not giving credit <laughs> no, you can when you that. use somebody else's material from the pulpit, making it look like it's yours. Chuck Swindoll said something like that when Jesus called, he had to call the name of Lazarus because if he just shouted, get up, every dead person in a grave would have risen. Mm. So he had to identify it. That is a demonstration of omnipotence. Jesus claims to forgive sin. Whoa, who gets to do that? God. Eyewitnesses saw Jesus transfigured. What was that all about? They got to see just a of his glory on the mount of, 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 of when he revealed himself in his glorious nature, as opposed to his humble state. Who does that? God. Jesus receives worship. That should only go to God. Jesus raised himself from the dead. Jesus ascribes God's holy name to himself when he uttered ego I me, which is I am. That's a God title. Jesus took it for himself. And we see, incidentally, throughout the Bible when this happens, that God the Father is called King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Jesus is called King of Kings, Lord of Lords in the book of Revelation. What does that mean? It's an equality statement that they both share the same divine titles. Jesus did this. 
with the I am statements in the Gospel of John. I'm the good shepherd, I'm the door, bread of life, light of the world, the way, the truth, the life. Number 11, he claimed to run the universe. (laughs) All authority's been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who has all authority? God himself. Number 12, Jesus claimed power to render final judgment. He's the one who's going to say, depart from me. You're going to hear the voice of Jesus Christ if you're not in him. And it ain't going to be a a tone that you're excited about. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And out you go. Jesus is the judge. Only God gets to do that. Jesus said he is to be believed in. Jesus said he is omnipresent. He The Bible plainly calls Jesus God. You can look at John 1, 1 through 3. You can take a look at Colossians 1. You can see it all over the place. Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God to Jesus. Titus 2, 13, 2 Peter 1, 1, Romans 9, 5 says, Christ is God over all. 16, the Old Testament titles for God are applied to Christ. 17, Jesus fulfilled Old Testament promises, prophecies. Only God can do that. 18, the Bible equates Jesus with God. Yahweh is my shepherd. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. What is that? It's an equality statement. 19, the Bible ascribes divine attributes to Jesus, that he's immutable, he's eternal. Jesus is called the creator and sustainer of all things. Only God can do that. 21, the earliest believers testified to the deity of Jesus Christ. You've got Polycarp, a disciple of the apostle John, wrote an epistle. And he said, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, and his father who raised him from the dead. And we see plenty of that. And finally, if Jesus isn't God, (laughs) you and I are without hope. And this whole thing, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry because you're going to die and be worm food or you will be destroyed eternally in hell. If Jesus isn't God, oh boy, the future is rather bleak. But he is. Until tomorrow. Go serve your king.